More smoking content than a Jamaican spliff. You're listening to Blunt Talk on Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome to RenegadeTalk.fm right here in Los Angeles. My name is Richie Kepler. It's Cannabis Thursday. We have the queen of cannabis herself, Patty Cakes, along with Sammy the Dammy Man and the professor of cannabis right here in studio. We are so blessed. And we have a special guest uh, coming up. Patty has a special guest coming on in about uh, 15 minutes or so. Yes. It's going to be very interesting. Hi, Sam. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Happy fucking New Year to you. Happy and, uh, and then we got professor of cannabis. How you doing there? Hey, good. Hey, you all right, dude? Okay, good, good. All right. A little bit of heart of gold, Neil Young. Back in the 70s. That's exactly right. Go to it, Neil. Searching for that heart of gold, and I found it with Marla, and she's off today, along with uh, Marky Mark. He's still on the phone with that chick in uh, Minneapolis that he picked up in Vegas. He's falling in love. He wishes. He, well, he's so fat. He's so delusional. He is delusional, and he's fucking fat, too. If he lose some weight, then he might be have a chance of getting that 32-year-old piece of ass, but that's yeah, not going right. to happen. That's he, where he's at? He's in, he's in uh, He was in Vegas. Vegas? He's, he's back now, yeah. Okay. He, uh, he disappeared for a weekend. Thank God. You don't have to listen to his big fucking trap. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so we're going to have a very interesting day here at Cannabis Thursday. Tomorrow, Sex Friday is not going to be on because I'm not going to be here. I have other things to do that are more important. Like what? I'm not telling you. It's a secret. It's high level. High level. They told me it's high level, so I, I say high level. I, I only, whatever they tell is me. Is it like a gag order on it? It is a gag, yeah. I'm, I, is you're I, a gag. I am a gag. Are you saying high level because it's Cannabis Thursday? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's always trying to get those He's metaphors quick. there. He's Quick. He is a quick guy, you know. Anyway, we got uh, the professor of cannabis. What's up, dude? Hey, how you doing today? Okay, good. That's enough from, from you. Okay. And uh, <laughs> he just came out of the fields. It smells like a big marijuana farm in here. Harvest time. It's harvest time. So anyway, Patty, who do you have on as a uh, guest today? I hear it's. I hear these people are really uh, uh, interesting and they're going to uh, federal court or something. It is an incredible story. It's the United States versus Steel Smith. And it is the first federal marijuana case allowing a medical defense. And I have spent the last week, you know, uh, speaking with them. And I went, spent some time with them last Friday night. And it's an incredible story. And it's so amazing how this has gone on in this day and age. How come they're not getting any press out of this, like television, newspapers? How come nobody's writing about this case because it's so important? You know what? I'm not sure. And that was my very first question. And I think that when we talk with Steele and Teresa, maybe he'll give us some insight into that. Mm -hmm. But I think because certain things, you know, he won't be able to say well, he's, some in, things, he's in but litigation. He's in litigation. Right. right. And um, is he going to have his attorney with him when they come on? Usually they do. No, he, no? Okay. you know, he's been through the drill, so he knows what oh, he to knows. say. You know, he's not going to say anything that's going to hurt him. Well, so you and Sam basically are going to do the interview, and Professor of Cannabis will be sitting here uh, trying to help, uh, if he can. Or grow, or do what I can. grow pot. <laughs> Never, Any shut questions, up. please call in. Yeah, that, <laughs> he just sits there. Looks funny. Anyway. But we, so. love, our, we love our David. Oh, yeah. No, no, Professor of Cannabis. Yeah, I that's mean. That's his new name. Sure, he's. 
giving us some great tips. Look what, look how your garden's doing. I know my garden's growing well. So fabulous. (laughs) Thank you, Professor of Cannabis. It's the dirt. He's good at dirt. Anyway, so I've already started growing my uh, cannabis garden thanks to the Professor of Cannabis, and um, he has he he knows his shit. I I can say that. Well, we hope so because if not, he's off the show. He'll be off the show. That's right. Uh, I want to mention a very important event in Orange County on Saturday. It's the Medical Cannabis Conference. It's Saturday, January 22nd. It starts at 9 a.m. And it's at the uh, Laguna Woods um, Clubhouse. And that's on 23822 uh, Avienda Sevilla in Laguna Woods, California. And um, it, it's a one-day medical cannabis con- conference, and it's geared mainly toward medical professionals and other older people. I guess that's us guys, except for Sam, because he's a baby, uh, with chronic disease. And uh, I hear they have an impressive lineup of speakers, Sam. Very impressive lineup of speakers, actually. Um, I know uh, Dr. William Courtney and Dr. Uh, Abrams are both actually on my site. Um, if you want to hear their, some of their testimonies, uh, you can go to medicalmarijuana411.com and, and hear uh, what they have to say in, in case you miss anything at the conference. Now, who are, what are their areas of expertise and at what level? Um, you know, Donald Abrams, uh, he's up in San Francisco, and um, he has written extensively, done lots of research, and is very well-versed. Um, he, he, when he deals with his patients, he'd much prefer to recommend cannabis for a patient than say, you know, here's something to treat uh, your AIDS or your cancer. Oh, I think that might be our guest calling in. Oh, good. We'll get back to that in, after, after Right. This is, this is going to be an exciting event. Amazing event. Amazing yeah. event. Okay, and, here we know, are. If you're so. in the area, definitely uh, come by. And who's calling in? Hello? Is it Teresa? Are you there? This is Steele. Hi, Steele. There you are. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm fabulous, of course. Um, we're here with uh, Sam from um, Medical Marijuana 411 and our good friend David, who is, I call him the old hippie grower. Uh, professor of Cannabis. My name is Richie Kepler. Welcome to RenegadeTalk.fm in Los Angeles. Hello, thank you. You're very welcome. Hey, Steele, I, I gave our listeners uh, a little information about, you know, what is going on. First, why don't you tell us exactly how this all happened? How did you become so involved in this, and what is your history? Well, my, my history, to uh, uh, go back far, would be that I'm a, I'm a California native, and I was born and raised in Orange County. I went to Servite High School, uh, USC graduated in 91, where I started a little marketing company. I have two U.S. patents and a U.S. trademark, and then I operated that marketing company for about 14 years, where in 2001... I was diagnosed with a rare disease. And you know what? I, I did some research on Zollinger Ellison syndrome, uh, which is, they also uh, refer to as Z- ZES. And I understand it's very rare. Yes, yes. And how did, uh, I mean, how long did they take, how long did it take them uh, to diagnose you? That was, uh, that was the rough part. I went to several different doctors and kind of had to go up the to- totem pole, so to speak, and get to some, some really uh, uh, some good specialists who 
had laboratories that uh, check levels on things that aren't normally checked, and it was at that level that they uh, found and were able to diagnose the, the CE. So were you still working at your um, business during this time? No, I was so sick. Uh, my business uh, was able to be run pretty much from home from a computer being a marketing company. Right. And uh, what had happened is my clients just kind of got ignored over over time. Not ignored, but the attention to detail that needed to be given to those types of jobs just wasn't being uh, attended to. Right. And you were sick. And uh, uh, then what happened? I mean, what happened to you after you were diagnosed and uh, I don't know what drugs you were on or what was the uh, what was the diagnosis or what was the prognosis well the the prognosis wasn't good other than to try to heal the uh, the ulcers and in doing that they put me on on morphine for the pain and they put me on uh, protonics which is a really strong acid reducer and uh, I was taking five to six times the, the normal dose of the acid reducer. Um, the, the morphine as well, uh, doses got really high really quickly and um, the morphine was really the bad part. I still take protonics, uh, not in as high a doses as I used to, but I still take uh, three times the normal amount. So tell me uh, still, how did you, when did you decide, how did you decide to turn to cannabis? Well, one day, deep in uh, addiction to morphine, I woke up and and realized that, uh, I, I mean, it was like woke out of a cold sweat in, 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 in sleep in the middle of the night. Woke up realizing I'm actually feeling uh, the sensation of, of detox, actual withdrawal. And... Uh, I realized that I needed some of that, you know, morphine. And uh, at that same time, I realized that, wow, I'm actually addicted to this. This is a, this is a physical dependency. This isn't something that uh, I have a choice over. Have you ever done drugs prior to this? No, 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 absolutely not. And I'd, I'd played around with, with pot a bit. Well, everybody um, did. Yeah, uh, but but nothing else. And uh, so you start doing research. Was it you that started researching about cannabis and uh, how it could help you? Well, it, as, about the the time that I'd I'd really lost my uh, uh, marketing company and had gotten myself clean off of the morphine. How did I, you do that? I, well. I did the uh, Weissman Detox, Rapid Detox program, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you go in the hospital and they wash your blood, and it didn't work. <laughs> I was in there for like five days. It was really bad. Mm-hmm. I died on the table twice. Oh, my goodness. It, it was really bad. So when I came out, I was still detoxing, and I needed to go into further detox. So my wife found Suboxone. Um, which is a uh, which is a pill that helps. It's relatively new. That is by doctor prescription only, and it helps uh, abate detox symptoms. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a few months and weaned myself off that pill, and been clean ever since. Interestingly, uh, shortly thereafter, I had to go in to be scoped. 
because um, that's, that's what they do to find the ulcers, is that they do an EGD scope, which goes down in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one they do on me is a special scope called an ERCP, and it's twice as long. Why? Cause, because it goes through the duodenal valve at the bottom of your stomach and into that nine inches of intestine, which is the first section of your intestinal tract. I'm in pain, just listen to you. It, it's where our gallbladder and our pancreatic duct dump into the... Uh, the intestine, and that starts the digestive process. Stomach is really just kind of further mastication, but uh, the, the, the first nine inches of your intestinal tract is, is actual digestion. So it's in there is where my ulcers are. Mm-hmm. They're very, very rare. Normally ulcers are found in the stomach, not in the intestinal tract. So they did three ERCPs on me, and it was on the third that they found the ulcers. And the reason it took three ERCPs is because the scope is actually two scopes in a sheath, one inside of another like a tube. The main one goes down in your stomach, and then the second piece comes out the middle, goes through the duodenal valve, snakes around, and goes down to as far as it can, uh, about nine inches into your intestine. Well, most of these scopes only go nine inches. I'm six foot seven. I have a little bit more intestine than most people. Yes. This third doctor that did the third scope had the brilliance and wisdom at the moment when he was at the end of the scope, not finding anything. He told me afterwards when he woke me up, he said, Steele, I looked down on the table and I realized your legs were hanging off the end of the (laughs) table. I said, this guy's got more intestine. So he rolled me on my side, which squished my intestines, and boom, came into view a field of ulcers. Well, thank, thank God for him. Oh, thank I mean, God he, for him. Pretty much, I, I would assume, saved your life. That literally saved my life. So then you started um, cannabis. Yes. And what was your experience like? I mean, where did you get it? This was like a couple years ago, right? Well, it was back in 04, actually. Okay. Uh, late of 03. I went, uh, I went online, and there were no doctors in OC uh, other than uh, the doctors in L.A., so I went to Dr. Stephen Vickery in, uh, in, in Hollywood and got my first rec, and he gave me a list of dispensaries in L.A. My wife and I drove around and visited like three of them, and we, on our way to the dispensaries, was thinking that we'd be looking for a pharmacy um, and we'd be walking into a building that looked like a pharmacy and we basically walked into buildings that were kind of cool well yeah for a younger person I guess you could say they were kind of a cool place um, it just it wasn't a pharmacy it was scary for older people it was it was uh, kind of a hippie den for younger people. It wasn't a pharmacy, is, is my point. So I don't want to offend anybody. Right, no, right. And, and you know what? Tone. We, you still, you're going to stay on the line, and we are going to uh, take a, fi- uh, a few minutes break, and we will be right back to hear exactly what happened. And you're listening to Renegade Talk.fm in Los Angeles, and we'll be right back. Looking for a verbal hand job? Yes, yes, yes. Release your frustrations and listen to Blunt Talk on Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome back to Renegade Talk.fm in Los Angeles. My name is Richie Kepler, along with Marla, who's taking the day off, and Marky Mark, who's resting after his Vegas vacation. It's Cannabis Thursday with the queen of cannabis herself, Patty Cakes, my lovely dear. Hi, baby. Hi, baby. And we also have Sam and the doctor... 
uh, the professor of cannabis, and also Steele and Teresa were interviewing. Yes. And it's the United States government against Steele Smith, and we're going over all of that. Very interesting to the cannabis community. So Patty's going to take over a little bit of uh, Bon Jovi here, which I really love that music. Right, Patty? Right. Love right. it. Thank you, Patty. Well, fabulous. Thank you. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. It's all the same. Only the name will change. Every day it seems we're wasting away. To know the place where the faces are so cold. I drive all night just to get Joey from the uh, late 80s, one of dead or alive. Right here at Renegade Talk. FM in Los Angeles. Welcome, Renegade Nation. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And we're going to hand it over to the queen of cannabis, Sammy, and of course, the professor of cannabis himself sitting right here in studio. Okay, Patty, there you go, baby. Thank you. Yeah, well, hey, Steel Teresa, again, thank you so much for being here and, uh, Allowing everyone, you know, to hear your story. Now, you were talking about you just it was decided that cannabis was working for you, so you decided to go and find some to help with your um, disease, illness, and you started that venture in LA and it didn't. What happened then? Well, we walked into our first collective and uh, I was able to get some medicine and went home and felt better and kind of started thinking about my experience of uh, safe access and getting a doctor and finding a collective and, and all that in the process of filling out paperwork and ID and as a uh, businessman who'd owned a marketing company for 14 years I have an entrepreneurial spirit and I, I know how to set up a business and I kind of lost my marketing uh, business and was, was actually kind of over it at that point after 14 years and thought hey uh, there's no shops in OC. Um, I'll set one up. Uh, actually, there was one other shop in Anaheim okay. uh, that I wasn't able to find readily. I, I found it shortly later, but uh, the shop that, I, that my wife and I opened was the, the second shop in Orange County. And how did that work for you? Well, uh, we opened uh, California Compassionate Caregivers, and the first day we put our phone number online, uh, we probably got 10 calls and 10 visits, and by the end of the week, we probably had 100, and by the end of the next week, we probably had 500, and by the end of the month, we probably had 1,000, and it was, uh, it was crazy. Well, it sounds like that, you, know, you had a great business going, and, and you were feeling better at the time. Absolutely. Okay, so it sounds like a dream come true to me what happened that put you in this situation that you're in today well god god put us in this situation this is uh this is uh, a, a kind of a, a bigger bigger thing that we've we've learned at this point well you're looking at it as a gift now absolutely it's a gift now you know uh getting getting our business grown up uh back in in oh six oh seven was a uh it really was a gift. It was it was a dream come true. So there was times where my my wife and I'd pinch ourselves and can't believe that we're actually 
uh, weighing marijuana and putting it in a bag with a barcoded label with a government code on it and uh, publishing phone numbers and printing, you know, menus and and, and acting as a business, helping helping patients. Now, so the people in your access. the people in your community, did they know what you were doing at the time? Um, in our community, you mean like where my you neighbors live? Or? The neighbors where the dispensary was. In the very first spot we were in, we was actually out of our house. Okay. And literally within two weeks. We gave notice to our landlord and moved from Fullerton into Placentia. Mm-hmm. And Placentia is where our problems kind of started. Uh, they got bad back in, well, in Fullerton, but we'll, we'll get to that part of the story. But, uh, yeah. So um, you had this um, dispensary in uh, Placentia. How long did you have it? Well, we were in Fullerton for a couple weeks, and we realized that we were going to start bothering the neighbors here really soon with the increasing traffic, so we moved to Placentia, and uh, we settled in a really great building in Placentia. It was an apartment complex that was attached to a restaurant um, owned by a gentleman who lived uh, up in Bakersfield. Did he know what you did? Absolutely. We told him right out of the gate, walking in the door, what we were doing because I didn't want to have to deal with landlord issues. And you had all your paperwork, all your compl- Back then, did they have all the uh, compliance laws or, or whatever they Back called Back then, compliance was as simple as a corporation, a city business license, taxpayer ID number. You didn't have to have the level of paperwork with regard to collective agreements that you have to have now. Um, In 07, I had a collective agreement that was one page. Now, the prevailing collective agreements are about 15 pages. And did they think they were going to make make it better? Did they make it harder? Was it they were trying to, you know... Well, I think it's better for the community, and I think it's better for collectives in general. It's kind of a, a bummer for patients to have to read through 15 pages. Uh, I've seen shops make it real easy by just doing checklists, and people can just check all the boxes, and it's up to them if they actually read everything or not. You know, kind of like a, a web agreement when you agree to their terms mm-hmm. and conditions. Okay, so you moved to Placentia. How long were you there before your troubles began? Well, uh, we were there for about six, seven months before our troubles began. And if I could explain a little bit more about that building, because this, this detail is really kind of important to the, the overall story. We told our landlord what we were doing uh, walking in the door, and he was very supportive. Uh, this particular building was on a, a main intersection in Old Town Placentia, and Placentia is a tiny city. It's, it's considered a bedroom community in Orange County. And uh, this uh, particular intersection had this little uh, apartment building that had like 14 units, and the building had just been built within that year. And when we moved in, the landlord was having difficulty getting it full. There was maybe four other tenants in the whole building. It was basically empty. So he was, he was happy as a lark to have us in there. Well, uh, we took the largest unit upstairs right in the center of the building because it was laid out really in a weird way. Uh, there was a parking garage downstairs with three or four single units that the front door of the unit opened into the parking garage. So the guy was never going to rent those units. Nobody wanted their door into a, a, a smoky parking garage. So uh, after about six months, 
I asked him if I could rent the unit below us, which was one of those single units in the parking that opened in the parking garage, and it worked perfect for us because the way patients could pull in off the main street right into the parking garage, they could park in that parking garage, which was always empty, and walk straight into that first unit downstairs, which was the unit below us, which was a one-bedroom apartment that we set up as an office. The, li- the living area was basically a desk, some filing cabinets, some pictures, computer. It was an office. Um, the bedroom in the back, we actually had a, an older gentleman who we were kind of helping out live there. And for free rent, he was happy as a lark to, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm starting to get a frog in my throat. He was happy as a lark to, to work there and and be a medical marijuana bud, tens, bud tender in, in, in his own basically home office uh, with us living upstairs. Well, it sounds um, like a great arrangement. What it happened? Was, it was awesome. Well, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> sorry, if I'm taking too long, I, I, I'll speed up. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, the, uh, we, we set up a grow. We needed safe access for ourselves to get medication on a consistent and growing basis for the, for the collective. Uh, the, the vendors at that time were literally still gangsters. Correct. Uh, the people coming Correct. into our store were really kind of scary, and a few of them we were fearful of our, our own security for a couple of times. So I, in seeking safe access, access for myself, leased... 10 acres of land out in Paris Valley. And I set up a cultivation of several thousand plants and I had a, a gentleman living out there to secure the property and tend the property. And this was my first cultivation at that scale. Before. Okay, let me, uh, let me ask you this. You said several thousand plants? Yes. Well, was that within the limits of the law? Well, we had, we had probably... Okay, and it wasn't several thousand. It was actually about 1,200. Okay. So I'm saying two, and we had probably three, three and a half thousand patients. So, it, right. I was just going to ask you to explain that. How, yeah, how? so if you, at the 1224 at the time, which was what was legitimate, if you just divide 12 into, you know, 1,200, there's your number. Okay. Okay, so that went well. You had this great place. Well, it kind of didn't go well. Actually, what happened is that person out there, because I wasn't going out there very often, it was a long drive to Paris Valley from, from, from Placentia, he started stealing from us. We were losing large quantities of our crop that wasn't coming through and waiting a long time to, to get it to come through. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so that's a whole other story. Right. But long story short... Uh, I had to shut it down, and in shutting it down, I grabbed my 18 mother plants that I had, which were my genetics, and I took them to Placentia, and I stuck them in my garage. I grabbed one light, hung it in the fire exting- you know, sprinkler in my garage, and was going to take care of those mother plants and plan to find another grow location. Well, Friday night, a Friday night came around, and I had a buddy over, and I was being kind of stupid and not paying attention, and I didn't lower the garage at about 6 p.m. when the light was supposed uh, to come on on the timer. It was a rolling door, mm-hmm. you know, that goes up, so we left it at like two and a half, three feet, and we okay. crawl under, and then behind that, I had stuff piled up to kind of baffle the lights. Well, anyway, I was upstairs. I wasn't paying attention. I left the door open, and a, and a cop rolled down the valley, the alley that opened onto my garage. 
doing what he says is unrelated surveillance. I'm upstairs, a guy knocks on my door, and he says, is that your Grand Cherokee parked in the, in the alley? And I said, yeah. And he says, well, I just clipped your mirror. I want to exchange insurance with you. I thanked him, and I walked downstairs, and two uniform cops were at the bottom of the stairs, and they grabbed me and, and cuffed me so up. So it was a setup. Yeah. So they said, uh, uh, do you know why we're here? And I said, yeah, because the 18 plants in the garage. And they said, well, what's up? And I said, well, I'm a collective. And they said, well, what's that? And I said, well, Prop 215. They didn't so, know. And I know. And I spat the health and safety code 1137.5 at them and all that. And uh, this is about 7 p.m. by now. Uh, long story short, again, 1 a.m. comes, and the police have still not, don't know what to do with us. They've ransacked my entire house apartment actually and they get the uh, district attorney out of bed on the phone <laughs> and they say we've been in this house for some five hours we've seen paper we've seen all this different stuff this guy claims he's a collective we don't know what to do DA asked him some pointed questions does he have a corporate agreement yep does he have a business license yep there he's checking all this out DA says okay fine cut the plants down take them Take uh, the medicine, the records, the cash, and any concentrate and scales and leave. Mm-hmm. Don't arrest them. Now, this was city? Placentia City, right. Okay, okay. Go on. So they left a business card and said, you can follow us up with us to see what we're going to do. And I did. Weeks went by, and I'm asking for my property back, and I'm filling out all the paperwork, and they're, they're ignoring me now. So I get a civil attorney high-powered attorney down in Newport Beach, and I sue the city of Placentia. Uh, we're, we're asking for a million dollars for uh, violation of civil rights and theft of our, our, our product, records, and cash. Um, and uh, uh, we were going through the civil courts. At this time, the Felix Ka case was going in Garden Grove, Felix Codd beaten the city of Garden Grove and got a $400,000 judgment uh, with a $200,000 punitive uh, for attorney fees. Now that sent a message to all the other cities in Orange County, don't violate caregivers' rights, particularly patients' rights, because Felix Codd was just a patient. Well, at the time in the civil courts uh, on my placentia case, I'm winning as well. And the city attorney for the city of Placentia is realizing, damn, we might lose an award potentially up to a million bucks. And he's looking for a way to weasel out of it. So he gets this brilliant idea that he's going to call the DEA and say, come indict this guy, because when I get indicted, now I'm under federal indictment and I lose what's called standing in the civil courts. Standing is your right to sue. If you're locked up on probation, parole, you lose standing. So by them putting me under indictment, under pretrial services, I've lost my standing. So here's where that city attorney screwed up. You know what? Hold that thought. We got to take a a few minutes break and then we're going to come right back. Right on. Okay. More smoking content than a Jamaican spliff. You're listening to Blunt Talk on Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome to Renegade Talk.fm in Los Angeles. Shut up. Don't make me laugh like that. 
God damn it, Patty. Queen of Cannabis, always stoned here in the studio, making me laugh. We got Sammy the Man. And if you we saw are, him, you'd laugh yeah, too. And the Steel, uh, <laughs> we got Professor of Cannabis, and Steel and Teresa from uh, Placentia, I guess. CCR. It ain't me, mother. It's somebody else. Anyway, the Queen of Cannabis on Cannabis Thursday, right here at RenegadeTalk.fm. Thank you, Renegade Nation, for listening, and please pass the word, especially on this show. This is really what happens to you when they really want to come after you about marijuana and weed, and this is a very, very interesting article, uh, interview. Steele, thank you so much for being on the air with us, and your uh, sweet wife, Teresa, and uh, we're going to let Patty take over. Patty, it's all yours, baby. Hey, hi, guys. Uh, welcome back. I want to talk briefly about placentia, and then I want to get into the meat of this. Why, what is U.S. versus Jill Smith? So tell us a little bit, you know, the raid. I want to hear about that and as short as possible because we're short on time right now. Because we are coming back with Jill and Teresa. Okay. Well, I... Uh, once uh, the raid in Placentia occurred, that quasi-raid, um, very quickly we moved out of that uh, unit in Placentia and we moved to Fullerton, um, where uh, I rented a fairly large house in Fullerton and set up a grow in that house, uh, then rented a second house down the street and set up a grow in there. Didn't you think they were watching you? Oh, I know they were watching me. And you weren't scared? Well, I mean, scared to the extent that you know, I may have to deal with it, but I, I was kind of prepared for it. Okay, go on. So, I, I had two houses that were set up as grows in Fullerton, and then I rented a, a, a unit in Garden Grove that was in a medical arts building that was our collective. So that and, was a proper storefront business. And by a, this time, there were more dispensaries popping up, correct? Uh, actually, this is uh, this is probably March, April of 2007, and as far as I know at that time, there was only myself and Anaheim OC420 primary caregivers. Okay, tell us about the raid. Well, um, <laughs> I, in Fullerton, the two houses that we had there, uh, within about two or three months after setting up there, uh, the police came to one of our two houses in Fullerton. And uh, about 10 tactical officers came to the house and uh, cuffed everybody up. There was about five of us there at the time. And they were wearing masks, I, uh, I, I read. Right. Well, this is, this is a prior raid. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Big raid. Um, this, this is the raid in Fullerton where uh, about 10 officers came in, hooked us up, and asked us what we were doing, and we showed them the paper, and they spent about two hours... Uh, looking through everything, where after about two hours, the captain on that raid uh, took me into my office in the house and sat me down and said, uh, I want you to know that I've done many of these raids here in my city. This is Fullerton. And uh, 
uh, we, I've never done this before, but I just want to tell you that uh, I've never seen a grow as neat and orderly as yours. Uh, I've never seen as much paper on a grow as yours. And I want to give you my business card and let you know that we're going to leave. And if you ever have any problems, please call me personally. Okay, so... I thanked her. Those officers left. Okay. Uh, Now we're up to November of 2007, November 1st. Correct. 4.30 a.m., DEA bust through our door. Wearing masks and dressed from head to toe in black. Spraying uh, fire extinguishers to fog the room, and through the fire extinguishers were red laser lights coming off the tips of Mini 9 machine guns. Oh my God, I bet you thought you were in a movie. It looked like something out of Star Wars. Uh. And kicking doors open, and we heard our bedroom door kick open and smoke billow in, and four or five laser lights pointing in our bedroom door at us uh, with uh, sleepy eyes. And... Do you, have, yeah. do you have a dog uh, at the time that, that was barking? Uh, our two Sharpays were in our bedroom, and yeah, they were barking like dogs do, but our dogs have never bitten anybody and, and, and wouldn't, and, and they, were okay. they weren't even being aggressive towards other than barking. Yeah, I know a lot, of, a lot of times the dogs are, are harmed in, in some of those situations. Well, they, they were harmed with the, uh, with the smoke. The duration of that was probably 20, 30 minutes. Well, didn't you have one dog that passed away as a result? Yeah, our older one that was 14 years old did pass away as a result. Okay, so... And it was a few days later that she passed away. Okay. Uh, I want to be clear that the DEA didn't actually kill the dog. But it was the act of the raid and the smoke, you know, on an older dog that killed her a few days later. Oh, sure. So. Okay, so now this is where the U.S. versus Jill Smith comes in. Right. And what does that mean? And why are they afraid of it? Well, I think they're afraid of it because there's 15 other states across the union watching this case uh, at our 10th amendment uh, issue motion that we filed with the government almost two years ago the government incidentally had 30 days to respond to that motion and they still haven't responded because that motion addresses states rights which is our right to operate freely under california law without interference from the federal government And uh, that motion is yet to be decided, and if we force this to trial, that motion will have to be heard and adjudicated prior to trial, and it's the adjudication of that motion that 15 other states are are watching, and if we win that motion, that gives 15 other states the right to uh, have their caregivers in their state affirm their right to operate under their individual laws. Now, will the same judge, uh, uh, the Honorable Cormac J. Carney, he presided, is he presiding over this case? And what is his history in regards to cannabis? Well, he's, he's fantastic, and I don't really know about his history with cannabis other than his judicial history is such that the, uh, uh, the Broadcom case that he just uh, her, uh tried was he made some amazing rulings some some really politically sensitive rulings and this ruling in our case allowing us to uh, give a medical defense in a federal court is yet another one of those kind of stepping out of the box rulings that he's done 
So uh, he's, he's really an up-and-coming judge in Orange County. He's being eyed at the highest levels federally for a, an eventual Supreme Court seat. And to be honest with you, I'm in fear that the, uh, uh, Eric Holder in Washington, D.C. may just promote uh, Judge Carney to the appellate court here soon, which would remove him from my case. Exactly. And then we'd get a new judge who wouldn't give us be as sensitive and that we'd go down. So that is one of my fears, and it's one of the reasons why, personally, my wife and I are kind of wanting to go to trial, because it is very real that Mr. Carney, uh, you know, Judge Carney could be promoted. And then, would that push that your trial back further? Well, no, well, he may no, get a judge that doesn't... No, I think judge would come in and say, this thing's old, uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get this one off our desk right now. Because, I mean, one of the things that's important for, for your case is to galvanize court support for you. Absolutely. And, and, and showing, showing the community, the community at large, you know, 15 states, and, you know, there's, you know, a lot of people in your position facing charges that they shouldn't be facing. Um, you know, and you're, you're a survivor, so you, you have a, um, there's, there's, you shouldn't be facing this doubly as much as everybody else because you you're you're a survivor and you've got you've got time left and you should enjoy it with your family and you've um and so f- making sure that everybody knows about your case what can people do to um to to follow your case further um you know other than tuning in next week cuz we got to have you on again next week but um you know what what can people do to to kind of you know follow your case more Please watch www.steelscase.org. That's S-T-E-E-L-E-S-C-A-S-E.org. Uh, we keep updated information on there about uh, rally dates. And if people would simply watch the rally dates, and when there's one coming up, please show up. Are, are, we, are you having one soon that we can... Well, here, here's what we've been doing. The government's uh, typically postponing the trials a week prior to trial date. And when's so, your trial date? Well, it's, it's March 22nd is the current trial date. Okay. 8 a.m., Ronald Reagan Federal Building in Santa Ana. And the, if that date changes, it'll change literally within an hour of when I know on the website. So that way people don't have to show up for a rally that wouldn't you know, ha- occur. I don't want to waste people's time like that. So I want people to know that we've been very diligent about ups- updating the Steel's Case site with news, events, media, and uh, uh, interviews like this that I do, I post on the site as well. So people can check your interview through our site as well. Great. Have you had any other, um, I mean, this to me is a, a really, really big case. And I haven't really read anything about it. You know, why isn't it out there? Well, I, I don't think the government wants people to know about this one. The, the federal cases prior to me, the indicted persons were not even patients. So there were some stories that are compelling and are good and really nice people, no one that we want to see go to prison. However, a case like mine hasn't come along where it's A, clean. There's only two counts in our indictment. What are they? Cultivation and conspiracy to cultivate. Every other case has at least a dozen counts. And you're facing 10 years for that? Ten years. And, and and do you have any hope because of uh, the Stacy ruling recently? And he's not a patient. I don't. I don't. Well, his ruling is a uh, a sentencing ruling. 
That ruling is a legal ruling that was done during sentencing. In the federal court, there's pretrial phase, trial phase, and then sentencing phase. And the law that comes out of each of those phases is only applicable to that phase. Mm -hmm. So should I get convicted, then I can use the Stacey law in my sentencing phase. But it does me no good prior or at trial. Okay. And, and for those who are unfamiliar, can you, can you talk a little bit about the James Stacy case? Well, he uh, was caught in the Bonnie Dumanis raid in San Diego, part of uh, some six collectives. I don't know what happened to all the other dispensary owner operators, but James Stacy ended up taking a deal. Uh, he had, unfortunately, a twenty two caliber rifle in his home that was locked up. It was old. It was not loaded. It had a gun lock on it. It was so totally legally held. However, the way the government writes these indictments is they put the word gun through the indictment everywhere they can, which dirties it. Exactly. It's a big red flag. It's, it's dirty. It matter. It. It's, like, it's right. like a black marker across the, the face of the document. But they so, have to use that stuff because they have no meat. They have no meat. So when they get into trial, Stacy was going to have trouble, uh, A, not being a patient. And then having the gun. See, I at least can, I don't have any of that, and I'm a patient. Yeah, that, that's, that's what it is with me. Which okay. Is, period. Which is, which I'm is a why, patient, and there's nothing they can dirty me with. Which is why they're not throwing that in the, into the media, because they can't attach a gun or, you know. There's no drugs. There's no money laundering. There's no tax evasion. Yeah. There's no nothing. This and is believe just, me, if they could get me for a tax case, they'd have done that long ago, too. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is this is just the law catching up to practice. It's, it's simply cultivate. This case is about all patients' right to cultivate. Yeah, and that's why fifteen states are watching you. Absolutely. Well, all, you know, all all fifty are really watching you. I mean, the the the, the rest of the world is watching as well. You know. Oh, like, sure. Because it, it, if if this case if it wins, look what it's going to do. I mean, it's going to give validity to everything that we've been working for. And, and, and it'll also... Um, Hopefully make them, st- you know, the idiots out there that are doing all these bad things, maybe they'll get some education. Maybe they'll start working with organizations like Normal or ASA or whoever, or doctors that have been in this arena for years and years and years and know a lot more than they do. And, and it'll reduce the rate of raids. I mean, when they know they just lost a, a major case. And it'll sift through the shit. There's a lot of garbage out there. And it, it's like in any arena. There's bad doctors, there's good doctors, there's bad lawyers. It's the same thing in cannabis. Once we sift through it and, you know, the good, the strong and the good are going to stand. They're going to stay because they're fighting for the right reasons. Well, and we have someone like Steel Smith who's willing to, to you know, be resilient and have the strength. Well, I mean, he's lost his whole life, so, you know, and he's a fighter. Steel and Teresa are fighters. I've met them. I love them. You know, I, I really hope that I can help them in some way. My mom, my wife's mom died during this. Oh, so, I mean, you were in hell, literally. Literally. In all aspects of your life. I had a marketing company for 14 years. Everything we had was paid for legitimately. And everything's gone. You know they, what? It, it, you know what? it was for a reason, though, still. They left our doors open. They just ransacked our house, left our doors open, and over the next few days... Looters. Yep. 
Everything. That's a common practice too after raids. I mean, they like, well, they want to do that. They want to make it as miserable and as ugly for you. Like they're saying, ha ha ha, because they can do that. I thought they were our our fellow Americans. Well, serving and protecting whose interests? Yeah. Yeah. Whose interests are they protecting? Well, they don't know the laws. They don't know anything about cannabis. The more stories that I read when I go online, Mm. the police are not educated. Okay, Steele, we have to go. Would you like to come back next Thursday to continue this interview and this conversation? I'd love to. Okay, we'll do that. So the listenership will will promote that out there because I know they will be very interested in hearing what you have to say. And uh, the reason I think by listening to this interview why you're not in the media and the ostrich media is they don't want anybody to know about it. That's what this is all about. Yep. And can I say one last thing on the record? Go ahead. I'm going to start adding this uh, verbally. If, if anything ever happens to my wife and I, if we ever catch a stray bullet or a, a, or a freak accident, um, know that we're in that kind of, this may sound paranoid, but I just want it on the record as I said this. If anything happens to us, it's because this is what happens to people when they start messing at a level where Eric Holder is worried about 15 other states. And he's the one we should really be afraid of. Mm. Absolutely. This is a situation where dark entities do their work at night. So if something happens to my wife and I, don't believe what you read about a freak accident because... Uh, the government did their job. Okay, Steele, thank you very much for being with us. We will continue this conversation next Thursday on Cannabis Thursday with the Queen of Cannabis, Patty Cakes herself, and along with Sam and the Professor of Cannabis. My name is Richie Kepler with on uh, RenegadeTalk.fm with Marla and Mark, and uh, we'll see you next Monday because I'm out of here Friday and Saturday out of town, so I'm going to have a good old time. Oh, I'm sure you will. Okay, Steele, again, thank you very much, Sam, Patty, and of course, the Professor of Cannabis, Marla and Mark, and you guys have a great weekend. Thank you. Are you there? Yeah. Hey, Patty.